Welcome to For the Love of Travel podcast. My name is Melissa Collins, and for those of you who have listened to us before, welcome back. And for those of you who are listening for the first time, a welcome here. We're glad to have you. I travel because it makes me feel free, and it's the only activity I do in my life that brings me unadulterated joy. The good parts, the bad parts, the ugly parts of travel, it is all part of the experience. I believe so deeply in what Mark Twain said, that travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. Because of this value, I have taken my son to over 43 countries and all around the U.S. and to five continents. He and I have learned more through travel than we ever could possibly learn through books or school. I believe in the mantra, if you think travel is dangerous, try routine. It is lethal. That's why I'm so passionate about talking to others who have been all around the world and getting to hear about their experiences. Okay, welcome back to For the Love of Travel. If you have never been here before, thank you for listening. And if you have listened before, welcome back. Today, I'm talking to Bia, who lives in New Zealand, but is currently in Los Angeles. And she's headed to the Burning, is it the Burning Man Festival? Is that what it is? It's not a festival. It's called just the Burning Man. The Burning Man. So uh, people need to hear what this is. I heard about it for the first time last week on a call from my other business. And I'm totally fascinated by it. So tell us what the Burning Man is about. So the Burning Man is not a festival. A lot of times people ask me what it is and they say, who's going to play and, you know, what famous people are going to be there. And the reality is it's a, they, they do something out of nothing. So they create in the middle of the desert a city. So it's actually the third largest city in Nevada temporarily it's called Black Rock City. And you just bring whatever you want to give to the community. So people bring structures, they bring, um, they create, like, so let's start again. So there are theme camps. So in the theme camp, you can come in and, and have an interaction. So a lot of camps have workshops or they have their bars or they give massages or they're the craft things so you can create whatever and you're allowed to take the bath with you. Um, there's no money at Burning Man, so pretty much the week before is the most expensive week of your life because it costs quite a bit of money to get to the middle of the desert and transport all the stuff there. Also, you need proper gear. You can't just use a normal camping tent, for example. The okay, so wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. You gotta slow down here. There's no <laughs> money. Okay, so are they trading things or everything? Everybody just is gifting it to the community. So if I do massages, I'm just giving people massages. And then if I want a beer, I'm just going to walk down and someone's going to give me a beer. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying is the gift economy. So just because someone gives you something doesn't mean you have to give it back. That is, um, I have to go to this. Is it the you same have week? To go to that. Is it the same week every year? Yes. It's the last week of August and it ends on Labor Day. So, so is there some way to tell, is there like an organizer of this or it's just like a movement that's kind of has its own life? It used to be a movement, but now it grew to a really big thing. It's about 75,000 people that go there every year. So 75,000 people. people? Yeah. Not 7,500, 75,000 no. people are, are, are converging <laughs> in a desert in Nevada to gift other people stuff and they just they just live together for a week and just enjoy each other's are you kidding me no i am 
very serious. That's exactly what happens. So it's not only gifting stuff, so it doesn't have to be tangible things. You can also gift your time. So I, for example, have a t-shirt that reads Hug Dealer. And so last year is the first time I went and I, um, I was just standing in front of the toilet stalls. I was just waiting to go in the loop. And then someone approached me and said, hey, excuse me, <clears throat> I hear you have the best hugs and fire. Can I have one? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh. so these, um, the work I do, I teach Tantra. And so I said to them, I'm going to teach you a proper Tantra hug. It's not going to be just a hug. It's going to be the hug. So I was just getting them to lift their right of their left arm up and right arm down and step closer closer and have a heart-to-heart embrace. So usually when people hug, they hug on the right side. But then this time was on you know heart-to-heart, and they and then we breathe together for uh, uh, we breathe three times deeply. So it's like a twenty-second hug where that's where oxytocin gets released and they'll be like oh my god that's like the best hug ever i'm like yeah now you know how to give a proper hug so your job is to give a hug to the next person so you teach them how to do it so it's a gift that keeps giving wow that was like on tuesday so it starts on sunday and that was on tuesday and on friday i went out to a club so they also build clubs at burning man and I met this guy and we're chatting. And then before I left, I said, wait, before I go, I'm going to teach you how to give a, a proper hug. And he's like, no, 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 wait. I'm going to teach you how to give a proper hug. And it was actually my hug. It, it taught wow. me exactly the way that I was teaching. And I was like, isn't that amazing? But, I, you know, a few days later, the hug came back to me. So, you know, I told them, I said, people said, Every time you give them a hug, you need to tell them they need to teach this hug to somebody else. And eventually, you did a full circle. Awesome. I have chills. That's amazing. I, I, mm-hmm. I have never heard of anything so beautiful. That sounds absolutely incredible. And the other person who was explaining this to me did not explain it as well as you do. So thank you. I understand it much better now. Um, but so is there an organizer of this thing? Do you have to tell someone you're going or no? Everybody just knows to show up the last week of August. No, no, it's a, it's a very organized. It's been going on for 30 plus years. It started in a beach in San Francisco um, in the 80s, I think it was 85, 86. And then it kind of just started getting bigger and bigger. I watched a documentary the other day about it, so that's how I know so much these days. But um, it moved to the desert in the late 80s. And it was still just a gathering of like a couple thousand people. And then people started hearing about it, you know, how amazing it was. And and then more people started, you know, <laughs> going to the desert. And now it's a big thing, you know. So it's it's very organized. Um, tickets are very expensive compared to a, a normal festival. So with taxes and everything, you're looking at almost $500 per ticket just so you can get in. Plus, you know, that gives you just access to the desert. It doesn't give you anything else. Um, and the tickets, get they sold out in hours. But then they just change hands, you know, and wow. everyone gets a ticket at the end of the day, and most people gets to go. But um, yeah, it's a big deal. It's, and once you go, it's like you're you're going to this parallel reality where, it, you know, it's just people are nice. We live in a community, in a community, you know, in society where 
everyone is just so busy and it's all about money and it's all about achieving it's all about what you got and and also burning man they have this it's called the decommodification culture so they don't want to they want you for who you are and not for the bling bling you have or the brands that you wear so a lot of the times people will cover up the the brand stuff or they will make like like how do you call it like a like budget for example they'll they'll you know play with the letters or they'll add letters to to the word um so it's quite interesting because we're very creative but also there's something about burning man that i haven't mentioned it's the art so a lot of artists build big sculptures or big structures and they take it to to the desert and set it up there because there's a lot of space and so that you can have like in a museum there's a limit of height for example or there's a limit of space but when you're out there there's just so much there's i don't know i know burning man the actual city is 15 miles long so it's pretty big you need to have a bicycle when you're there and so you just go on your bike and ride around and just go explore the art and a lot of the art is interactive and also they have what's called the art cars. So they're interactive, you know, they're, they're cars, they're really funky looking, like it could be a pirate ship, it could be, you know, a castle, it could be, I don't even know, like last year the theme was um, iRobots, that was a lot of futuristic stuff. And um, it's just amazing, it's something you never see anywhere else. So it's like this, I don't know, you have to go and experience yourself really yeah it's hard i need to do this so (laughs) so all right so let's just talk about some i'm just curious now about like you know some basic needs so you came from new zealand so and i asked you earlier before we were recording if you have a yurt because someone else told me they were building a yurt so what will you sleep in did you bring a tent i i have yeah well i'm going to meet my friend in san francisco um, later this week and she's lending me a tent and sleeping mat and a few basics. But um, as I mentioned in the beginning, there are theme camps. And so the camp that I am camping with, and they charge a fee and they provide all the food, which is great. So I don't have to worry about, especially coming from overseas, I don't need to worry about, you know, a little stove and refrigeration and food shopping and all that. Um, And also they have a big structure uh, like a, a big shaded structure so I pitch my tent underneath their shade so I'm not exposed to the uh, you know harsh conditions in the desert because you have to understand you're in the middle of the desert right it's the black rock desert in Nevada so you have 37 40 degrees during the day and then you can have you know 10 5 degrees at night Celsius right. that is <laughs> forget that we're in the states of Fahrenheit but yeah so you have about 110 110 degrees and then 50s in the evening so it's um it's a big difference um also the sun rises early so if you and there's no time you know you you go to bed when you're tired you wake up when when it's too hot pretty much because <laughs> you can't sleep um so i'm bringing some things from new zealand like my sleeping bag and my funky outfits and you know the rest of just bought on amazon last year and i brought it back some people will go super fancy. They will rent an RV. That's a, a nice way to do Burning Man, but RVs are super expensive at this time of the year. I looked into it, and it's about seven grand for a rental of an RV for a week. 
which is kind of money I don't have. So maybe one day. But um, some people will bring yurts, some people will bring um, canvas tents, and they're a lot more, you know, um, they're firmer and thicker and they don't have the mesh. So when there are dust storms, you don't get um, you know, all the desert dust in your tent, which I did last year. It wasn't very fun. And oh. the best advice it was given to me on my first day of Burning Man was become one with the dust. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, Accept oh, it. it's too much. Oh, and I had baby wipes and I was just cleaning myself all the time. And it was just that useless battle, you know, because you're, you're in the desert, you're surrounded by dust and you're going to get dirty anyways. And so I just became one with the dust and I had a great time. And I'm going back this year. All right. So I, I have a question. There has to be somebody out there listening that's wondering the same question. But so do they set up bathrooms or is yeah. everybody on their own? Like there's a set of people, right? And I read a book once that said everybody poops. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it, they set up bathrooms, right? There's a place to go to the bathroom. Yes, okay. that pretty much that's the only thing they, they set up. That is a requirement in my life. Like I cannot yeah. just go in the desert behind a rock. It's not happening. I can't do it. I'm pretty one with the earth and I love I love nature, but that's, that's, I have a limit. It's right there at the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that you asked that question. So you cannot, it's forbidden to pee or poop in the desert. Actually they have this, when they leave, they have to sweep the whole desert. They have to make sure that there's nothing in the desert that doesn't belong there. So also, it's a, in a way you have to be very conscious of the waste you're generating. Sure. Like, so you, you always, if you see trash, you got to pick it up. If you see like a little, you know, someone dropped a peanut, you pick it up. So the idea well, 75,000 people generate some trash in a week. I would say they must have a dump truck come yeah. in all the, no, the no, you got to take all your trash with you. Everything you bring in, you pack oh. it in, you pack it out, everything. And it's a really neat concept because in society we rely on these services from the council and, you know, yeah. we take it for granted. People don't even understand how much trash they generate every day. Right. And when you're in a place where you're in the middle of nowhere and you got to bring everything you need, you realize, wow, I do need a lot or not as much to live because some people are quite high maintenance and others not so much. But also your waste. Yeah. You know, you're... It, you know, it, your it's, actual. it's pretty amazing when you start talking about a concept like this, about how far away from basic uh, life we've gotten in, in our real, in, in the, in the rest of society that, that, that I'm, I cannot be the only person that's hearing this for the first time that is completely drawn to go because mm -hmm. we're so deprived of this type of human interaction in the rest of the world I and mean, we're just so deprived of it we just don't get it very often you hear i talk to people who travel all the time and a lot of what i hear is oh you know i also they'll say they love italy and i'll say oh what where do you love in italy and, and most experienced travelers do not say like rome or florence they love some little town that they found and i think the reason is because they found that closer human real interaction with other human beings and mm -hmm. at the end of the day, that's what life is really about. That's what we're really about. It's what we're all craving. Yet we're walking so far away from it. Like it's what we want, but we're running from it. You know? 
So this that's is absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you're going to have an incredible time. I that's amazing. Um, all right, so tell me, we we almost run out of time. That was just that's so incredible. I'm so excited for you. I'm sure you're going to have an epic experience. So what are you doing after Burning Man? Are you staying in the States for a while? Are you head back to New Zealand? No, I am going to. So I grew up in Miami. I'm from Brazil originally. So I'm going to Miami. I'm going to Miami. <laughs> <laughs> and then I go to Brazil to see my mom. She was meant to come on this trip as well, but she got sick. So she didn't make it. Oh. And so I'm going to Brazil and then back to New Zealand. Nice. Nice trip. So how long have you been traveling? This trip will be five weeks. Nice, beautiful. So, um, have you traveled extensively um, anywhere else? So, it sounds like you've been around the states. Um, obviously, there's New Zealand. I'm going to guess you've been to Australia. I definitely have been to Australia. I lived there for a year. Um, I've been around. I've been to 42 countries in five continents. I'm only missing Antarctica, but I don't. Me too. Is that happening anytime soon? But I'm um, sure one day who knows. I want to. No, so it's the only one I'm missing as well. And I actually have the trip planned. So you fly into um, uh, Argentina there and you get on a, a, a boat. And it's very expensive, those, those mm -hmm. ships that take you down to Antarctica. But the only one I'm willing to do, and I'll wait until I'm ready to do it, because I'm not going all that way unless I can get all the way to the South Georgia Islands. And, I, and you know, I just want to go there. And I want to put my feet on Antarctica. So very few yes. actually get you <laughs> on the boat and put you like it doesn't count as being on the continent unless my feet touched it. So I that's right. I have to do that trip where my feet are going to touch it. So I will get there. I will get there. Um, I'm sure you will. Awesome. I'm super excited about it. I mean, it's 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 probably for two people from here from where we live. It's about a fourteen thousand dollar yeah trip. For Easily. Yeah, it would be very expensive, yeah. but one day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, worth the investment. so how often do you travel? Do you travel, you know, what, do you take one big trip once a year? Do you travel no. all the time? No, I travel as much as I can. So because I live in New Zealand and I'm a, a resident there, I'm not a citizen. I can only be out of the country for so long every year. And so I decided I, you know, get my love of travel and just live in a van so I have a camper van and so I just cruise up and down the North Island and South Island of New Zealand and I've been doing that for the last two years and New Zealand unlike the states has a lot of um, this thing called freedom camping spots so if you have a self-contained camper van or RV you're welcome to park in the most amazing spots for free for a few nights and it's awesome so I don't pay rent I pay insurance if I had a car I have to pay insurance as well and yeah, just living the van, living the van life. That's awesome. <laughs> That's actually, <laughs> my 15-year-old, if you ask him what he wants to do when he grows up, he will tell you he wants to live in a camper van. That is his goal yeah, in life. So awesome. I'm like, do it, man. I mean, I hope you have, I have always told my children, I, you know, a lot of people say like, I want you to be this, or I hope you be that. I hope you are happy. Okay, mm -hmm. so whatever that means, I just hope you are happy. And if that means living in a camper van and living a really simplistic life and just enjoying life, then, then awesome. That's amazing. Do it. So that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll just say that it's really amazing. It works for me. Um, it doesn't work for everybody else because it's, you know, it's a very minimalistic lifestyle. You're on the road all the time. And a lot of people, they need the comfort and security and they need to know what's next. And I'm just like, people are like, 
where are you going next? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to wake up and decide where I'm going. I'm just going to look on the map and see what looks appealing. So it gives me a lot of sense of freedom. You know, I think that, um, and I tell this story often, I think that um, people think that they want that. But I mean, I've traveled all over the world. I've been to I think, 52 countries now, five continents. And I've met a lot of people. And the people that I've met that are the happiest, if you could put them on a happiness scale, are are the minimal the most minimalist people yeah so we were um my son when my son was nine he and i traveled alone to the galapagos islands and i'll never forget this moment it was like the biggest teachable moment of my life it was really when everything shifted for me and i and i started traveling more and started getting rid of material things and living my life in a very different way we had um decided we wanted to walk to this swimming hole and where the locals swim and we were walking back and in my infinite parental wisdom I thought I would teach my son a lesson. And I said, we were walking by this little hut where this family was outside and they didn't have any windows. And there was a dirt floor. It was a very rustic home and it clearly was living with multi-generational. And my son speaks Spanish. So he had spoken to some of the kids at the swimming hole. And on the way back, I said to him, you see the way these people live? Like you should be very grateful for what you have. And you have so many beautiful things and you go to a lovely private school and you have all these. And so I think I'm teaching this lesson. And he looked up at me his little nine-year-old wisdom and said, mom, you're so wrong. These kids are so much luckier than I am. They get to eat dinner with their grandparents every night. They see their family every single day. They told me they get to swim every day. They get to walk to school and they don't have to wear shoes if they don't want to. <laughs> it was such a different, it was like, I was like, I, it felt like a brick punched me in the face when he said that to me. It was such a beautiful moment and I'll never forget it. I mean, it was like, you know, talk about your children teaching you something, right? Mm -hmm. it was like the biggest aha moment of my life and he's so right he was so right like they are so much happier than we are worried about all of the things that we think we need to have and it's and I'll, I wrote a blog post after that and I came home that was um uh five years ago and for the last five years we've been really focused on downsizing our life getting rid of things and getting to a place where when he graduates from high school we can be uh location independent we spent, it takes time when you have this big full life. It's actually, it took longer than I thought it would to get rid of things. If that even makes any sense. It just took a really yeah. long time. Um, we're about to, we just sold our house. Um, we closed October 1st and we're about to be completely debt free with owing nobody anything. We've downsized to one car. We don't really own a lot of material possessions. Everything we own can fit in the back of a very small truck. Um, and we even want to downsize further than that. So it can just be, I mean, I'm not getting rid of my children's baby pictures and things. So they'll go in a small storage unit, but it, um, that moment definitely changed my life. And, and I'm sure you agree. You've traveled a lot. The people who have the most simple lives are the happiest. And maybe, maybe us Westerners look at them and think, Oh, poor them. They have this crappy, tiny little house with a dirt floor. But we just don't, we don't realize what creates happiness. That's not what creates happiness. I mean, they've done massive studies on happiness. Look at, they talk about Copenhagen. If you've been, have you been to Copenhagen? I have. People live in a very different way than they live in the Western world. They live in much smaller air quarters. They live in a more social environment and they're literally significantly happier. So mm -hmm. something to be said for that. Yeah. yeah, and that's part of the reason why I left the States. I've been gone for 12 years, and when I lived in Miami, I was very unhappy. But Miami is not known to be the happiest place in the States yeah. anyways, but uh, just 
left. I went overseas for three months and never came back really to live, come back to visit often. It's funny. If you listen to my podcast, this, that statement, what you just said is said to me over and over and over again. I decided to take an extended trip and then I just couldn't go back. I just didn't want to go back. I decided to go nomad for a month and then I just couldn't stop doing it. It just, once you experience that lifestyle, it's almost not an addiction, but almost like you're like, a, like an awakening. Like you realize, oh my gosh, I didn't need any of that. And I'm so like, there's just so much more to life. That's right. And traveling is the best teacher there is. So it's really, I, I always tell people, say, if I hadn't traveled, like a lot of my friends, I would probably be living in the same place, having the same friends and the same job and the same life. And I, I talked about the, the Truman Show. You know, every day is the same. You wake up and it's like the same script is playing over and over again. And when you travel, you just find yourself in so many different situations and in a place where you don't speak the language and you learn to communicate in other ways other than with words. And, you know, it's just, I've had full on conversations with people that didn't speak the same language and we're just trying to understand each other, kind of like speaking to a child in a way, but it was just so much fun and I learned so much and I just encourage people to travel and they say oh it's so expensive I don't have money it's like yeah but you're not going to travel and stay in a five-star resort all-inclusive you know you're gonna I've roughened them up big time in India I stay in a place where it cost me two dollars a night it was a dump but the people I met there the locals were so cool and they're so hospitable and it was just amazing you yeah know? that's how we travel as well that's how we travel as well and we, I've had the same experiences with people in different languages my son does not speak Thai when we were in Chiang Mai, he was at an elephant sanctuary and he spent the day with a, a boy who was a refugee from Myanmar. And I don't know how to explain it, but the two of them spent the day together um, with these elephants and it was like they were communicating. I don't, he, mm -hmm. my son would say to me, oh, he really loves his new house. I'm like, how? I don't understand. The boy speaks no English. You speak no his language what is going on he was like i don't know i just understand him and i'm and he understands me they had like a mud fight it was an incredible experience and they never spoke a word to each other it's not necessary that's right yeah, because you just get it you know? yeah. it's just the it's like an energy thing you're vibing the same frequency you know? it's just, yeah well this was an incredible conversation um for those of you out there um who are interested in burning man i'm sure you can google that and look it up and check it out. And um, I may end up going there next year. I'm fascinated by it. So Bia, thank you so much for um, taking some time out of your day and getting up. At the, I know you're in the West Coast and I'm in the East Coast and this is the crack of dawn for you. So I appreciate you <laughs> for coming and talking. It is 7 a.m. <laughs> I hope you have a fantastic time at Burning Man. Thank you very much. You have a beautiful day.